Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you discover that the mindset is actually the thing that we need to be working on before we get tactical about the goal. A thousand percent. You always have to believe it before you see it. And I think that that has always been my strength. I have never believed in, why can't this work out for me? My question has always been like, how am I going to make this work for me? I would have so many mentorship calls with women. And that's actually how the Dream Lab was born. Because I realized like, wow, women at home, especially Latina women, aren't having these conversations about how failure is just a part of it. This is going to be hard. It is not going to be easy. It is going to take time. You have to learn to start to believe in yourself. That's when I made the transition into becoming a life coach, because ultimately that's really what I was doing. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, 
please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Audrey, welcome to the show. I am so excited for you to be here. I was telling you before we hopped on and started recording how long overdue this whole thing is because I've just been inspired by your work. We've had a chance to actually work directly together with the, your work with the Dream Lab. So welcome to Yo Quiero Dinero. Janice, this is a dream come true. I am so honored to be here and really excited to have a woman like you in my network that's such a champion for other women. So thank you. Thank you. All right, let's start off with an introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. My name is Audrey Diaz, and I am a life and confidence coach for first-generation Latina women. It is my biggest fulfillment in life to be able to help women develop daily disciplines that help them lead a life of confidence and purpose. Now, let's get into your backstory, because I imagine, like many coaches and folks who are in here in the, in the space, this wasn't the original plan. So tell me how your career started off and how that led you to where you are today. Honestly, I wanted to work for Diddy and thank God he works the way he does because of everything that's come out lately. But that was my dream. I wanted to work for Diddy. I grew up in the generation of bad boy entertainment and making the band happen while I was in college. And I knew I wanted to work in marketing. I've always been passionate about being a part of something that helps change the life of a community. And I saw that in such a powerful way in what he was doing back then. So right out of college, I went looking for an internship and I landed in a place called Fuerte. And Fuerte was run by Rich Isaacson, that was the former vice president of Loud Records, Wu-Tang and those guys, and Jerry Blair, who was the one that responsible actually for the Latin crossover explosion with Ricky Martin, Shakira. And so I landed there and what they wanted to do was to help record labels, mainstream record labels tap into the Latin market. And I happened to be really the first Latina that they brought on the company. So I got there really early on. So that was my gateway into the music industry. Okay. So you go into the music industry. What is your career trajectory like? And what was the moment for you that you're like, I don't want to do this anymore? That's a really easy answer because I clearly remember the very moment in which I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. But to go back a little bit, like I said, I wanted to work for Didi. I wanted to be in the marketing world. I wanted to be able to be like director of marketing for a record agency, for a record label. And I worked really hard there. So from being an intern and that summer, I actually had the opportunity to go backpacking through Europe and I got offered a job at that agency. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go right into it. And so as many Latinas, and this is something that Sabrina and I always say at the Dream Lab, we don't need to teach you how to work hard. We grew up working hard, putting ourselves last, doing what we need to do. Like, you know what I did, Janice? I bought myself a Blackberry. And I went into my boss's office at that point And I said to him, hey, 
I bought myself a BlackBerry. I'm on call whenever you need me. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Looking back now, I'm like, I can't believe I did that. But I think that when you're young and eager to learn, there's so much value in that, just doing whatever it takes to get ahead. Because during that time, I did get ahead. And in that small agency, I eventually became director of marketing. And that was the time in which you remember Mi Gente? Yeah. Oh, my God. I dated because of Mi Gente. Like, (laughs) there's some horror stories I have that I haven't shared with the world, but Mi Gente was part of it. (laughs) That's something to listen to. I think so many of us have that story. But here's what I did. There was one day that at the time, Charlie Walk was president of Sony. He comes into our office and he's like, we need you guys to help tap into the Latino market. We have this guy named Frankie J and we don't know what to do with him. And then my boss looked at me like, yeah, we'll give you a proposal. And I'm like, okay. So then he, after they left, he's like, what do you have? And I'm like, well, there's this site called Mi Gente. And I could reach out to them and ask them if we can get an interview with Frankie. Now, this was when the internet was really starting. This was before all of this user-generated content, early 2000s. And he's like, you think you could do that? And I'm like, yeah. And all I had really was I did a public relations campaign in college. That's all I had. But I think, again, being a hardworking Latina, I'm going to figure this out. Being a daughter of immigrants, I'm going to figure this out. And he called Charlie Walk back and he's like, yeah, there's this website right now. They had never even heard of the website. And they're like, oh, my gosh, there's so many people on here. You can get us on. And he looks at me on the phone and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. (laughs) And guess what I did? And it was the first time Mi Gente had ever done anything like that. And the song was Obsesión. So if you guys are familiar with Frankie J, back in that day, I was the one that did the social media marketing for that single. And it's pretty cool to be able to look back and see like, oh, okay, I did that. I did that scared, but I did that. Yeah. And then that moment that you're just like, "Mm, I can't do this shit no more. It's too much. I was with a mentor who worked for BMI Publishing and I asked him out to dinner. We're sitting there together. And at that point, I'm like 26 years old. I had a long-term boyfriend and I asked him, so how do you balance having a family and this business? I'll never forget this, Janice. He didn't flinch. He didn't think about it. He's just like, you don't. And he just kept up cutting up his steak. And that hit me so hard because I knew I did want a family. I knew I wanted to have kids. But I was getting tired of being the first one in the office and then being one of the last ones out and still feeling like, okay, they want even more from me. I was bringing in more clients than anybody else. It was like placement after placement after placement, higher after higher. But I still felt like, okay, you guys want more from me. I don't want to give you more. You know, that's a real moment of kind of reconciliation that I think a lot of us go through when we realize that what we've been told by our typically immigrant parents is like, you just got to keep working hard. The success will come to you. You will achieve it. And many of us do. But then there's this feeling of, well, this is not what I signed up for or shit, like this dream that I was sold is not actually a dream. It's feeling a little bit more like a nightmare. But then we have to start reconciling feelings of guilt of, oh my God, but, but my parents, they sacrificed so much to give me these opportunities. Why don't I feel grateful? Blah, 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 blah. So what's that experience like for you personally? And tell me more kind of about your family and being the daughter of immigrants and how that impacted your mindset around making this career change. 
I have a really interesting story growing up with my parents because even when I think about and I examine my money mindset, there's a duality. So my parents came to this country when they were about 15 years old. They didn't know the language. They got married at 21 with $1,000 between them and a mattress. <laughs> then my, my aunt and uncle let them stay in their house. Now, my uncle had the opportunity to go into a supermarket with his brothers. And my father, being the baby brother, newly married, they gave him a chance. So four brothers went into the supermarket opportunity. Now, since my parents were married at the time, my mom used to have a job as a cashier. When they had the supermarket, they told my mom, since you're the only one that understands like WIC and EBT and everything, you go up to the office and we'll do the floor. Being the youngest, my dad's older brothers wanted him on the floor, like facing aisles and things like that. But my dad's interest was always up in the office, trying to understand where's the money going? How does this all work? And eventually what they did between them is that my dad's income went into paying back the loan for the supermarket. My mom's income went into daycare for me. And eventually years, and I'm talking about, I was 12 years old, the first day that I remember my father taking a day off, they would be working seven days a week, basically 24 hours, because the store would be open, let's say 8am to 8pm. But then being that it was their store, they had a van where they would pick up other employees, go to the supermarket, open, spend the day there, close, drop everybody off home. So growing up, I didn't see them a lot. I have very clear memories of looking out into the crowd and not seeing them at school plays and feeling hurt by that. But as I got older and I went into entrepreneurship on my own, what that taught me is that it better be worth it because I think that a lot of people want to dabble in entrepreneurship, but it becomes just a hobby versus something like, this is taking time away from family. This is taking time away from other endeavors or even my own self-care. So everything I do, I better be intentional about it. I better know that I have a return on the investment of my time and everything that I do. So by that time, my parents were actually able to buy a million dollar house because that supermarket and the way that they, my dad took an interest in like, let me learn how to work better with money. They were able to save and invest into other supermarkets. From there, I have like two very different childhood, the childhood in which I hardly saw my parents. I knew they were working really hard. And then the childhood in which we live in this really amazing home. My mom is now able to stay home. My dad drives a Mercedes and I go to private school. Wow, that is quite the duality to experience. Yes. And then the most amazing thing is that when it came time for me to go to college, I was accepted into Parsons School of Design, which was my dream back then. My dad took me to uh, register that day and I was offered student loans and I was offered scholarships. And he said to me, I want you to deny all of the student loans. I'm going to pay for your tuition because this is my inheritance to you so that you could take this further than I ever could. Wow. Shout out to Poppy. That's amazing. Yes. But like when we talk about like that torch that we feel like we carried, I distinctly remember that moment because it's like, okay, showtime for me. What am I going to do with this? This is literally him placing a bet on you with all of his yes. hard work. Oh, no yes. pressure. Yes, no pressure. <laughs> 
damn, it's amazing. I feel like stories like your parents are one of those things that is only possible in places like America. You know, like as much as there are a lot of things wrong with this country, the story of someone coming here with nothing and literally building an empire, it's not a story that you hear happen in a lot of places in the world. And so shout out to your parents for making the American dream literally come true. And I think it just speaks to the work ethic that is signature hallmark of our community. It's just making shit happen with nothing. It's just our thing. It's what we do. <laughs> and, you know, just like the the privilege of having been given that opportunity, because I know that it, that's not everybody's story. Yeah. Okay. So you are in this period of your life where you know something has to change. You're kind of ready to transition out of your corporate career and do something else. Talk me through that process. Like what were those initial thought processes that you went through to figure out like what that thing was going to be? And then maybe walk us through a little bit of like how you actually launched and started this. This starts to happen a couple of years later in which I got married and I had the kids. And then during that time, what I valued the most was the flexibility. And so I actually went to work in my family business with ah, my dad. So you left the music industry. I left the music industry. I Something in me shifted because I'm like, these selfish artists. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to help them sell another record. And it helped me feel like I am meant to help people. I went back to school to get my master's in childhood education. And even there, I'm like, I don't like the education system and where it's headed. And given that I had two boys under two, I decided to, you know what? I need to be able to say I need to take a day off. I need to take my kids to the doctor without going through hoops to explain it to anybody. So I decided to go to work in the family business, but I wasn't challenged. I grew up loving a challenge and having a really big vision for myself and for my life. And although I love being a mom, I love that, that place in my life. I felt like, but where are my dreams of helping people? Where are those dreams of wanting to be part of something that inspires a community and uplifts a community? And at that time I had the proverbial baby weight to lose. And I needed to get fit from home. And that's when Beachbody, which is now called Body, came into my life. And I was a product of multi-level marketing. And I know that that comes with a lot of pros and cons. But for me in my life, it was exactly what I needed at that moment. And what ended up happening was my husband, so it was kind of like the kick in the butt that I needed to go forward. My husband at the time lost his job. And so we went from two incomes to one and I was already losing all of this weight and I was invited to join as a coach. And I said to myself, like, sometimes you're always waiting for things to happen for someone to come and save you when there's so many opportunities right in front of you that you don't take advantage. And I have so many people asking me, like, how did you lose weight? How did you lose weight? And I was pointing them in the direction of my coach. And I'm like, enough, I'm just going to do it. I was scared, but I'm just going to do it. And I signed up to be a coach. I learned the business. And within two years, I started making six figures from home. Wow. And so for folks who aren't familiar with Beachbody, like, can you tell us a little bit more about like what it is and what you were actually selling? Okay. So there's two faces to it. There is the consumer face, which is fitness programs that you can do from home. So right now it's an app and I'm sure everyone's heard of programs like 21 Day Fix, Insanity, P90X, but behind the scenes, there's also a multi-level business. 
which is you recruit people to sign up and also sell the products that you sell. So you build a team essentially. So I got to work on building my team, the women that would come into my fitness groups and have an incredible transformation and would start to feel better. Then I would show them the business and they would start launching their own virtual fitness businesses. Okay. All right. So we've heard a lot of stories about the multi-level marketing industry that most people don't make money, that predatory in a way, especially towards like women, women of color. So what do you have to say to the critics that are just like, well, you know, that's great for you that you made six figures, but that ain't happening for most people. It didn't work for me, right? I think A, if you're going to do it, it has to be a product that you will actually use and that you actually believe in. Because I know a lot of people that want to go in because like, oh, you promised me that I was going to make a lot of money with this. I believed that I had my own transformation with it. I still use their products, even though I'm not actively building that business anymore. So that's number one for me. I had faith in it. And number two, again, I, I think that you have to really make sure you have a return on the investment of your time. So the reason that it really worked for me is that there's a personal development component to it. And it was the first time I was ever introduced to personal development. The first time I ever thought to myself, wow, so let me go to a conference. Let me join a community. Let me read this book to improve my mindset because I was so used to just working hard, just working hard, just working hard, waiting for the payoff. And this is the first time I'm like, well, let me learn something. Let me open up my mindset. Let me meet new people. I started going to conferences. I started joining communities. I started reading books. I started signing up for courses because I wanted to get better. It's not just a college education. You have to continually grow in life every single day, make, making sure you're getting poured into. So I believe that that's why it worked for me because A, I really believed in it. I was proof that the product worked. And B, I was continually investing into myself. But what started to happen after that, Janice, is that I realized I could give a woman a fitness program to do, give her a meal plan, or show her how to start the business on her own. But if she didn't believe in herself, nothing was going to get off the ground. Mm, so you discover that the mindset is actually the thing that we need to be working on before we get tactical about the goal. A thousand percent. You always have to believe it before you see it. And I think that that's, that has always been my strength. I have never believed in Oh, why can't this work out for me? My question has always been like, how am I going to make this work for me? And so I would have so many mentorship calls with women. And that's actually how the Dream Lab was born. Because I realized like, wow, women at home, especially Latina women, aren't having these conversations about how failure is just a part of it. This is going to be hard. It is not going to be easy. It is going to take time. You have to learn to start to believe in yourself. And so that's when I made the transition into becoming a life coach, because ultimately that's really what I was doing. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what it is that you believe in your experience is the main reasons why daughters of immigrants, women of color in general, why do we have such a hard time advocating for ourselves and putting ourselves first? Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Because we were literally taught to obey other people. We were taught to not talk back, to not have opinion, 
opinions and just do as we're told. And I find, Janice, it's even more common among Dominican and Puerto Rican women. Ooh, tell me more. I find like, for example, when I talk to my business partner, Sabrina, because I think in in Central American countries, they're not first generation. You'll find that they're second and third generations. And so they're more Americanized. They're more used to setting boundaries where I feel like our parents come straight from DR, straight from Puerto Rico, and they're still in that mindset of do as I say, don't trust other people. And there's a trauma that comes with immigrating. I mean, you come to this country and you don't know other people and you want to be able to protect your children. And that comes with instilling fear, fear of sticking out, fear of putting yourself out there. And that fear, I think it almost feeds like this primal sense that we have as just human beings, as a species to self-preserve. Because if you think about it, when you do something scary that could potentially isolate you or separate you from the community, whether that is taking a job that makes you move away or leveling up your career in a way that now you're like the first one to make it out of the hood, et cetera. You're separating yourself from community, which from a basic human perspective is like, oh shit, I'm going off on my own. I'm going to starve and die because I literally have no one who even understands like this place that I'm at in the world. So I think when we think about the psychology of why Doing new things is scary as fuck. It's because at its base level, it represents being separated from the community and potentially not surviving. Yeah. Or if you even want to take it a step further, you do succeed. And then now you're the one with a nice house, a healthy bank account, and a nice car. And then there's the guilt and shame you feel because you've succeeded and people look at you funny. Can we talk more about that? Because that's actually a whole ass chapter in my new book that's coming out, Financially Lit, where we talk about this thing called wealth guilt. And I titled the chapter, When Jenny from the Block Becomes Jenny with the Bag. Because as much as we're told to achieve and succeed and go and do the thing, that very thing is the thing that separates us from the community that we have been told we should get out of. It's very much a mind fuck. It is. It's scary because just like you don't want to stick out for any other reason, you don't want to stick out as the one who made it because all of a sudden you feel like, oh, they're going to think I'm too good to be here. I definitely had that. That was one of my mind blocks, which is because I grew up and when my parents made it, it's like, oh, you have a silver spoon in your mouth. Oh, you speak like a white girl. And I even found that it resonates in some of my clients. I had a woman come up to me who's about 50 years old. And she said to me, I just bought a Jaguar and I'm embarrassed for my family to know. She's a lawyer with her own law firm. And I think that as Latinas, we really need to normalize having nice things and it being okay and not having shame for having them. Or even for myself, a lot of the work that I had to do was thinking of it as an honor that my parents were able to do for me what they did. Yeah. So one of the things that I see you talk a lot about on your social media platforms is this concept of like self-discipline and that leading to success. Can you tell me where your own self-discipline journey started and kind of how you've built those practices into how you live today? Yeah, it was back to my parents, back to my parents, because being on the schedule that they were, 
I remember being like 15, 16 years old, my dad waking me up in the morning saying, produce, produce, produce. I'm like, produce what? (laughs) What do you want me to produce? Like traumatized, right? And it wasn't until I was older, well, in my 20s that I, I saw to myself like, wow, so if I want to be intentional about creating wealth, about achieving anything in life, it's going to take me disciplining myself in the time that I take to study and the time that it takes to work on my business, because that's another thing about entrepreneurship. Most of us start when we have another job, when we have a lot of other responsibilities. So if you're not carving out the time, no matter what, and that takes saying no to a lot of things that are good things in order to take that time out, in order to build your business or being on a budget in order to save for the bigger picture. So During that time, I also started having trouble in my marriage, days in which I felt down. And I started to lean on those daily habits. I saw a big difference in I can wake up just in time to start taking care of the kids and getting myself ready to go out the door. Or I could wake up earlier to take time to pray, to take time to work out, to take time to do personal development and have that intentional time for myself so that I am in control of my thoughts and how I choose to feel during the day versus just going out there, having the day come back at me and feeling like, okay, I just barely made it through. Why do I feel like I'm just surviving and everything irritates me? Mm. You know, that's so real to have that experience of like just your trying to keep your head above water. I think a lot of us, I, me included, I saw my mom definitely operate that way. It was just always, there's some fire to put out. There's just never enough time. I never saw her intentionally pouring back into herself. It was always this idea that self-sacrifice is the way that you show love. Is that something that your clients confront? And what advice do you have for people who are navigating that space? And like, I almost feel guilty pouring into myself because then that means I'm selfish. Every woman has that feeling, not even Latinas. Every single woman has that feeling because we grew up watching like the homemakers on TV, like leave it to beaver mentality is not too far off. Yeah. It's one generation away, I think. Yeah. And you know, my mother is that type of woman. My mother doesn't understand why I take so much time for myself. So it's, first of all, it's, it's being able to hold your own ground and not defending why you need time for yourself. Because every single time I snap at my kids and I think back like what happened there, it's because I'm triggered by something else. It's never them. When I'm in a place in which I've taken time for myself, I am able to be a more loving mother because I'm able to regulate my nervous system better. I understand what's going on with my emotions. So the selfish thing is to not take time for yourself. Because then you're basically giving everybody from your empty cup. And then you're wondering probably why your relationships are strained, why you're always irritated or just feeling resentful because you're actually kind of causing your own suffering in a way when you decide that you are not important enough to be at the top of the list of things that need to be tended to. And I know we all know this, like these are things that are cliche, but it's incredible how women aren't doing it. And it's important to go from knowing something in your mind and thinking like, yeah, I'll get to it eventually. I know I need it to actually putting it into practice. So when women start to work with me, it's a must. You're going to carve out the time. And maybe it's not in the morning because you, you know, making a huge adjustment to your schedule like that isn't something that's easy. You have to be able to find, okay, where can I have 10 minutes for myself? Where can I go for a walk to just 
think about myself and my needs at this moment. Yeah, I noticed my mom's mental health started improving drastically once I started introducing her to like self-care practices, whether that is taking an hour of your day in a week to like go and get a manicure or pedicure or like go work out for an hour, you know, just like feeling like you are absolutely entitled to this time for yourself. Now she's like, don't nobody get in my way with Zumba. Like my Zumba is on this day at this time. Leave me the fuck alone. This is my time. And I love seeing her kind of exercising those boundaries because I've seen the improvement in her mental health. I've seen the improvement in just like the way that she relates to all of us. And I think everybody needs that thing that refuels them so that they can be the best version of themselves for everybody else. You know, when my boys were younger, my oldest son needed occupational therapy and speech therapy. He actually came out like at the bottom three percentile for his age. And he woke up early one day and it was like six o'clock in the morning. I was just finishing my workout. I remember I had something like 20 burpees left to do and I was huffing and puffing. And he's like, mom, just quit. That's what I do when things get hard. The way like I get emotional just thinking about it, the way that gave me my second wind, I turned around and I said, no, when things get hard, you go harder. And I went and I banged out those burpees because what it also does is you teach them better. I love that story with your mom right now. It's so important that you've changed so many things because now you're teaching her to show up better and to enjoy her life, not just feel like she has to be able to do all these things for other people in order to be of value, but it's what we teach our children, what we teach our next generation. And we all know that that only happens from being who we want them to be. Absolutely. So one of the things that I've also seen you talk about is just the ability to navigate scary shit that happens in life, those transition periods, whether that is deciding that you need a career change or ending a relationship, or you need to move somewhere else because wherever you're living is just not working. I think a lot of us can get paralyzed with that fear of change, especially when you're coming from that first gen experience where just everything is scary. Like you just want to avoid all the scary things. Can you talk a little bit about how you help your clients avoid letting fear be the thing that stops them from doing the thing that they know they need to do in order to live a more fulfilled life? It definitely goes back into the habits that you're able to create for yourself. Just to get personal here, because I, I believe it's important to be vulnerable and to share our stories. I found out I was pregnant with my third child during the time that my marriage was really rocky. And the reality of that pregnancy made the issues in my marriage very real. Whereas before, I was someone that really believed in that hustle 24-7, no team, no sleep mentality. I took pride in that. But I also think that a lot of times what we do is that we hide behind the work, especially if we're really good at it, because we don't want to face this problem. So I'm just going to be really awesome in this area. And that pregnancy made me face like, uh-oh, <laughs> I have things that I need to take care of. And I intentionally took that time to stop being as productive as I would have been and become more introspective and take the time to think about what I really wanted and where I needed to go. And it was really scary. And I want to tell your audience that that's okay to take the time because there's also the fear of if I stop producing, you know, you're only as good as your last hit. No one's going to care about me. People are probably looking at me right now like, oh, she's not even up to anything anymore. But those things don't matter if it's costing you your mental health. So that intentionality of habits, it took me a long time to also sit with my feelings instead of pushing them into work so that I could continue to look like a star, even though I was like barely holding it together on the inside. 
So again, those daily habits of taking time for yourself and sitting through those things and also identity. We have to be really sure of who we are. And for me, that has to do so much with my faith. Like I love Jesus and I'm not shy about talking about that because during that time in my life, it helped me remember I'm a daughter of God and my relationship status can change. My career can change, but that part of me doesn't change. That's something that nobody can take away from me. And that helped me let go of those fears because we have, we're so tied to the way people perceive us. If we really sit and think about what am I scared of? So many of those fears have to do with now what are people going to think about me? So it takes immense introspection to be able to let those things go, to name them, to see them, to feel them and allow time to pass in which you're able to start forging this new identity and taking that confidence in yourself. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I mean, that self-awareness that gives you the time to really like just think about what's going on in your life, that is where the catalyst for change begins. When you have given yourself enough space to get the chaos of the world, take a step back, push that shit aside and be like, what am I doing with my life? Do I like this job? Do I like this relationship? Do I like this life? When you have this space to ask yourself those questions, I think that's when those wheels can start turning and you can start having those thoughts and start making those plans to make that change. And then the self-trust that develops from that, because like you said, like you can have a really awesome job. If it's making you miserable, your first thought is like, but I should be grateful that I have this job. Who thinks you should be grateful? Other people, right? But they're not living with what you're living on the inside if you're miserable or especially the lens of what are my parents going to think about this? What are my friends, my partner? And we let those thoughts control everything that we do and essentially putting ourselves in a cage. Absolutely. Okay. So tell me about the self-made Muhead conference that you have coming up. What is it? Who is it for? How can folks attend? What are you hoping that people get out of it? Tell me all the things. So quickly, like if I were to summarize it in one phrase, it'd be Tony Robbins meets Bad Bunny. Ooh, oh my God, something I didn't even know I needed. (laughs) Because here's the thing, I, like I said earlier, we didn't grow up with personal development. Yeah, it's not a thing. Personal development was like, go to church. Mm -hmm. That's it. Or the shame around it. Like I need self-help. Like I wouldn't be caught dead in a self-help section of a bookstore. But again, like these are things that we didn't hear around the dinner table about how you have to work on your mindset, how you need boundaries. And so when we created the first Dream Lab conference, we wanted to showcase women that were doing incredible things, but did it scared? Did it with doubts? Did it wondering if it was even going to work out, but they showed up anyway. And the women that we invite to come to our conference to share their success stories, their work's in progress. And I think that that's the most beautiful part. There's a lot of conferences where you can go, network, learn business strategies, But Sabrina and I are very passionate about getting into the heart of what makes that woman tick. Why is she still going? What is she scared of every day? And what pulls her out of bed to keep going, especially through the pivots and transitions in life? So our conference this year is in New York City, March 23rd, Self-Made Wuhan Conference, Live Your Wildest Dreams. So Our focus is always first-gen women and taking that American dream and really looking at how are you living it out? How have you taken it further, like in my case, than your parents did? And it's a party. 
Yeah, it really is. I was actually lucky enough to be a part of this in 2022. And it was actually like my first coming out into the world after the pandemic and everything that was going on, just meeting a bunch of people who were fans of both your work and mine. And the energy in this room, y'all, was something I have never experienced since then. And it's just an incredible space to see like so many women of color who are committed to being their the best version of themselves. Like it was a palpable energy of just change and collective like, fuck, yeah, we're going to do this. It was so good. It's so good. I know this is going to be just as good. I'm getting chills listening to you because that's exactly what it is. You, and I'm sure you can relate to this feeling like you create something, you put it out into the world and you wonder yourself, like, is this going to resonate with people? And then you see it become something bigger than you. And you're like, wow, my favorite part is every time a conference ends, the women that come up to me in tears and hug me and say, like, I never thought I would be in a room with women like this. Mm, absolutely. And you actually are launching a new podcast as well, right? Or did you just launch it? I just launched it, but you know, it's still a baby. It's still a baby. I aspire to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the Aligned with Audrey podcast. And I am very passionate again about like what makes women tick. What are those habits that they've created, the disciplines? What's the mindset that carries them through? And I want to be able to also look at faith. So how is your faith journey informing your life and helping you grow? And having really vulnerable conversations with women, we need that. And I think even as we get older, it becomes even more important because I'm 41. Girl, you don't look a day over 30. We need the skincare routine. I'm here but for us. Yes, moisturizer. <laughs> <laughs> she got that J-Lo skincare plan going on. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to stay on your podcast forever. <laughs> You know, at this age, I, I believe like the work part is pretty much figured out. We've put in our time. And this point in our life is about fulfillment. What's going to make me happy? What's going to really make my heart go on fire? And that is what this podcast is about. And I am launching a course around it, which will be announced the day of the conference, where I wanted to help women take a step deeper into what does basing your identity on your faith look like so that it's not shaken by a divorce like I went through, by a major career change, or any of the other stuff that life throws at you. Oh, that sounds so good. So exciting. We're going to make sure that all of the links and everything that you need to know about what Audrey is working on are in the episode description below. I think it's just incredible the amount of women of color who are showing up for our own community after realizing that like, Yes, there's tons of personal development people out there, like you mentioned, Tony Robbins, but it's something different when you hear the advice coming from somebody who has your lived experience. It feels way more accessible. It feels like you're actually entitled to do this work. And that's why I think the work that you do is so incredibly important. So for folks that want to find out more about you, everything that you're up to, how they can work with you, tell us where we can find you. Well, you can go to alignedwithaudrey.com, sign up for my newsletter. I send out newsletters on my podcast episodes and things I'm up to, things that I love and my courses. And I live on Instagram. So you can find me at the Audrey Diaz. And you can also go check us out at the underscore dream lab. Amazing. Audrey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the work that you're doing and just helping us show up unapologetically as our highest version of ourselves. Janice, thank you so much. It's been an honor. Absolutely. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.